0: Not many performers and actors and everything else are just known by their surname.
1: <laughs> well, it's such a wonderful name and it's my real name too. Uh, but it sums me up brilliantly. I think it's it's absolutely fantastic name and I, I really love it. Usually a large man or a man who looks quite different to any other woman playing a woman in a frock. And it's just funny. I never think of myself as being a drag in drag. I think of myself as a woman in a frock. That is important, I think, and people love it.
0: Have you ever wondered how successful businesses and thought leaders keep landing those big media opportunities and keep the buzz going around what they're up to It's not just by chance. They're all using the power of storytelling. I'm Nicola J. Rowley, and with over 25 years in the media as both a journalist and PR expert, I'm here to help you unlock the story potential for both you and your brand. Everything starts with a story. This is the Power of Storytelling podcast. Well, hello there. I'm really excited about today's episode. Not only Is the power of storytelling podcast going weekly from now on in? So you can hear us every single Thursday. But I'm joined by someone who is a broadcasting legend, an absolute legend. I remember we first started working together back in 2010, but I grew up with him. I like literally grew up with him. He was on Rent a Ghost when I was a kid and I used to watch Rent a Ghost. Then he was in, like, you know, reruns when I was watching Porridge and things like that. He is the one, the only Christopher Biggins.
1: Hi, Nicola.
0: Hello, it's brilliant to have you with us. And when I was thinking about what we could talk about in terms of this episode, what I wanted to talk about is the long game because. Last week, I was at an event, a two-day event, and that was the theme for that event, talking about longevity and the long game, rather than focusing on immediate results and trying to get everything. And I think, for me, you sum up and epitomize the long game because you've been in showbiz for over 50 years. Um, Yes. But how has that? been able to kind of pan out for you in terms of the long game, like actually having a longer term vision rather than just thinking, right, I'm just going to take one part and do another part and then build on that from there.
1: Stephen Sondheim, uh, the great American songwriter, wrote a song called Good Times and Bum Times. I've seen them all. And my dear, I'm still here. And I think that sums up an actor's career in a way, because there are really good times and there are really bad times. But I've been lucky. I started my career in the 60s. And I've managed to go through so many decades now. And it's been up and down, up and down. But it's been wonderful. And I've never really thought to myself, this is what I want to do. It's just happened. And I think the happening is the way to go. Because I think if you set out to do something, sometimes you can be very disappointed with the end results. Whereas if you don't think about it and it just happens, you could be thrilled with the results. And I'm thrilled that I'm just about to become 75 years old and I'm still here you know so good times and bum times I've seen them all but I'm here still here
0: you seem to be part of the kind of psyche no matter what happens like you're always there and it doesn't matter which generation you now appeal to so many different people and I think that's what endears everyone to you as well
1: Well, that's very kind of you to say that. I mean, I'm always thrilled when people recognize me for certain things, like with the BBC uh, rerunning a series called I, Claudius, in which I played Nero. And to me, Nero is probably one of the greatest roles I've ever done. I mean, it was just fantastic. In fact, I remember I never, ever learned the lines because I was Nero. And I'm convinced that I was Nero in a past life. And so, you know, I really am thrilled when people remember that. And then I've got Poldark, you know, playing the sex craze vicar. I've done all those wonderful things and then I became a personality. And that has been good. And you know, I've had the most varied career over the 50 years that I've been in the business. And people say to me, which is the most exciting, which is the thing you th- you love the most in your career? And I think people are very surprised when I answer, I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. Because that did once again change my life i mean i've had moments in my career which have changed my life and it's still happening what more can an actor ask for that he's still working that's the that's the wonderful thing about this business
0: you mentioned there about i'm a celebrity get me out of there of course you were crowned king of the jungle of course um yes what was it about that experience that really stands out for you
1: I tell you, the thing that stands out the most is the fact that you're voted by the public. So it's the public vote. And, you know, at the end, when I was with Janice Dickinson, the American model, there were two of us uh, split screen. And it was who was going to be the king or the queen of the jungle. And I was convinced it was going to be her. I really was. And she was convinced it was going to be her, too. So the disappointment on her face was huge when they said, and the king of the jungle is big. And I couldn't really believe it. I mean, it was so wonderful. And it's mainly because it's a public vote that I was thrilled. I asked the producer afterwards and it was overwhelming, my result. So that was really good. And the public are, you know, they're not stupid. And they what they like, they like. And they seem to have liked me in all sorts of different things. And it's continuing on Well, I'm thrilled.
0: I think the other thing as well is... Not many performers and actors and everything else are just known by their surname. <laughs> they just aren't, are they? I mean, you know, you Shit. are known as Biggins. Yes. <laughs>
1: Well, it's such a wonderful name. and It's my real name, too. Uh, but it sums me up brilliantly. I think it's it's absolutely fantastic name. And I, I really love it. I was thrilled when I decided I would just go under the name Biggins. It saves a lot of uh, hassle with other Christophers. You know, if you're in the, a job with, with several Christophers, it's much better to say, hey, Biggins, get over here, you know, do this bit and do that. I love it. And th- it's nice that people find it endearing. You know, the public are very nice about it. They think it's a nice name, which is good.
0: And and it is. It's brilliant. I'm going to tell you something that you probably don't know. In fact, I'm sure you don't know. But in 2009, you were actually invited along to the Edinburgh TV Festival. We had a curry evening and you were the guest of honour at said curry evening. On the train on the way up there, I actually asked if I could be sat near you because I was just such a fan back in the day. Like, obviously, i would grown up with you. I've been like, oh, my gosh, it's Christopher Biggins. This is so exciting. And they didn't. They sat me two tables away from you and they put someone that had just joined the agency two weeks prior to that right next to you. And I was so upset about this that I actually quit <laughs> my job not long after because I was just like, they don't value me enough to sit me near Biggins. Oh, uh,
1: particular.
0: One of the first things I did when I went into that new job I hired you and you came on board and we did, do you remember, the uh, Britain's Best Pud campaign? Yes, yes. And that was exactly what I did was I hired you in and yourself and Rachel Allen and we did that together. Oh, it was
1: such fun. That was. I had no, I had no idea about that story. How mean not to put this together? I
0: know, like just sitting on the table. All I wanted to do was sit near you because I was a massive fan. Oh. And it, in the end, they sat me two tables away and I was just like, No, it doesn't sit right with me there. So as a consequence, you helped shape my life. But I think it's that thing, isn't it? In terms of going for things and making sure that if you don't feel happy about something, you put yourself forward for other opportunities. And you must have seen this a lot throughout your career, that if something hasn't quite felt right, you've put yourself forward in another way for something else and then that has fallen into place.
1: Absolutely. I mean I I absolutely believe in fate. I mean I really do. I think fate is so important in everybody's business in in life full stop. People come to me, now, I'm so old. People now come to me for advice. And I say to them, you know, this is if it's a young actor or an, or an actress, I say don't do it. And I say that in the nicest possible way because I know so many brilliant actors who never, ever succeed or do anything. But they are wonderful. They are fantastic. And the, the thing is, to get on, you just have to be at the right place at the right time and know the right people. And that is sadly the stage of the business. I mean, I just recently been in Edinburgh doing a show and I had Dame Arlene Phillips on, who is a most fantastic woman. And we were talking about a show which I'd been to at the Coliseum in London, where where she directed 700 dancers from dance schools all over the country and there were 700 and they were all brilliant absolutely brilliant and i said to her how many do you think will make it she said well on a good day or a good year out of those 700 two could become stars and five will go into the business." Now, that is a terrible, terrible, terrible figure to mention. But that's true, though. I mean, you know, and I feel strongly that perhaps there are too many drama schools and dance schools giving people hope. It's a terrible business because it it is literally being in the right place at the right time. That's how you succeed.
0: And would you say that's how it's panned out for you?
1: Yes, I think so. Without any question, you know, I mean, I tell you what, I I love people and I've met the most wonderful people. And that has been fantastic in my career. To give you an example, my dear friend, Dame Joan Collins, who is such a, a wonderful woman, not only in her career, what she's done, but in everything. And she's a wonderful friend. And she's so free with her other friends. So, you know, when I've been in Los Angeles with her on a holiday, or Whatever uh, we've gone to a restaurant, I remember, and suddenly uh, uh, across the room came Spartacus, Michael Douglas's father, he sat down and had dinner with us. And it was unbelievable. And then I've met, I sat one away at a dinner party with her, with uh, Frank Sinatra. And, you know, it's, it's unbelievable, the people that she's been so kind to introduce me to. And she's, she, that's what she makes her such a wonderful friend. And she's good, and she's supportive, and she's always there for you. And I think, hopefully, that's what I am, too. I have lots of wonderful friends, and it's very important, I think, People say to me, how do you get invited on those boats? Because I've got lots of friends who've got really luxurious boats. And I say, well, I don't know. Because they've asked me and they like me, perhaps. And they and people get very jealous of that, which is very odd to get jealous over someone getting on a boat, which is ridiculous. But it, it, it's just being nice, I think, you know. And being nice is easier than anything else. To be nasty to someone takes a lot of Uh, energy and bad energy.
0: I couldn't agree more. And that kindness, I think you exude that anyway. I think what's really interesting is you talk about the fact that you have an amazing network and you do have an amazing network, but that's been built over time. And that longevity of those relationships is what plays into everything.
1: Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. It's something also that I don't think to myself when I get up in the morning, the first thing I don't think about is, now, who shall I become a friend with today? In fact, as I'm getting older, I'm deleting names from my address book because life is too short. You know, you can't see everybody. And I, I think what was so interesting, the lockdown proved to be a real turning point for nearly everybody that I know, and I think probably the whole world, because that turning point of, of, of COVID was extraordinary. I mean, the first lockdown, I loved. I loved being in my house. I loved being reminded about pictures and, and paintings and, and furniture, you know, things that you take for granted. The second one was terribly boring and very tedious, but we've managed to get through it. But I think it's affected us more than we think. And I think nowadays, you know, it it, it is complicated life, and especially as you get older, and you do, you do want to see less and less people and see only the people that you really love.
0: The people that matter the most. I think that was also compounded by the event that I was at last week, it was just so amazing. You were seeing all of the people that you want to see and you want to be around and you just want to be in that vicinity of, you know, it's really, really special. And I guess it's the same, isn't it? Like no matter which walk of life we're in, we want to be around people that support us, that lift us up, that are going to be there for us no matter what.
1: Absolutely. It's very, very important. As you get older, you realise that, I think. You know... When you're younger, you just don't even think about old age. You just think about, you know, today or perhaps you think, might even think about a little bit about tomorrow. But you don't think of the future. Whereas when you're getting older, you do think about the future. Now, I, for instance, I have no fear of death. I mean, I know I've got to go. What I would ideally like to do, please, God, you can arrange this, is I'd like to go to bed and never wake up. That is the thing. And I, I know that's not going to be very good for my... My partner, Neil, or my friends, my close friends. But that's the way I want to do it. And I I hope that I I succeed. I don't want to suffer. Uh, I don't want to be in pain. I don't want to put other people through me being incontinent and lying in a bed and and just horrific stories. I've got my one-way ticket to Switzerland in my desk here, waiting for that moment that I'm going to
0: take my own life. Would you do that? Would you go down that road? I
1: think if I was really like a vegetable or, or verging on being a vegetable, I would. I don't want to be a problem to anybody else. I've had such a wonderful life. I mean, I can't... Tell you the people I've met, the people I've uh, worked with, the shows. I mean, the other day, you know, my di- Michael Gambon died, and I remember Michael Gambon, the most brilliant actor. We were at the RSC together years ago, and we were doing Henry VIII with Donald Sinden playing Henry and Peggy Ashcroft playing c- the Queen, and we had to Peggy Ashcroft had a big, big, big speech, and around her, the director Trevor Nunn set uh, a whole about twenty of us as monks in cowls, with our heads down, kneeling around in the semicircle around Peg- Peggy Ashcroft. And it was pretty boring, I can tell you. But I knelt next to Michael Gambon, and every night he would do something different. And he would say to me, do you think she's wearing any knickers tonight? <laughs> this was the RSC. We were crying with laughter. I mean, we were so badly behaved. But it was wonderful. You know, it was the people I've met over the years. It's been so exciting. And and invigorating and just lovely, the friends one has from the past. It's just And the past, I think, is very important to all of us.
0: I always think that our lives are like a book. Like we have chapters that tell part of our story. As we go through, like each chapter tells a different part of our story. Yeah. Bearing that in mind, what would you say has been your favourite chapter?
1: My favourite chapter, I suppose, I have to go back and say uh, the period of when I, I I won and became king of the jungle, because that was absolutely fantastic for me. But uh, there are other periods of my life which I can pinpoint. I mean, you know, for instance, you mentioned Rentigos. I loved Rentigos. Rentigos was. Absolutely fantastic, made fantastic by our director producer Jeremy Swan. It was so, like a family. It was fantastic, and then I did another series for ITV Children uh, called uh, On Safari with Gillian Taylor. That was wonderful. I did I Claudius, which I talked about already in Poldark. I can pinpoint about let's say fifty moments in my career which have been highlights and which are special to me. But I think probably the most special is winning I'm a to Get Me Out of Here.
0: That's so special. The fact that you have embraced that and because it was the public voting for you that made it so special.
1: Absolutely, Nicola. The public were just wonderful. I mean, they they still are to this day. They come up to me and say, oh, the moment that, that you slept with 200 rats, it's one of our favourite moments on television. You know, it's, it's incredible that people can remember that sort of thing. I mean, it it had a big impact.
0: What next for you? Are you taking it easier now? I mean, you said that you're coming up to 75. Are you taking it easier or are there still things on the horizon that you're up to?
1: Nicola, I think the nice thing about um, our business is that you can do as little or as much as you want. And I'm certainly doing far less. Like, I've been asked to do two tours of two big musicals next year, and I'm not going to do them because I'd rather be at home and I'd rather be with my friends and enjoying. I mean, I don't know how many years I've got left. I mean, I could have 20 years. God forbid, but I could. Uh, so I, I, I've turned those down, but I'm doing Countdown coming up before Christmas. I'm doing Pantomime at Southampton and the producers are being very kind. They're making me play the man in the mirror who flies in and flies out with just one-liners and it's fantastic. One costume, not like when I do Pantomime and I do 16 costume changes. So they're looking after me uh, very well. We've just um, escaped to the country, Neil and myself, which was great. We're the first celebrity couple to do that, and that comes out at Christmas. So there's little things like that, you know, which I really enjoy doing. And I did the Edinburgh Festival this year. Funny enough, you should mention that earlier, But I did uh, a wonderful season at a wonderful hotel that I think is the best hotel in the country uh, called uh, Preston Pier House, just outside Edinburgh. And it it, it was great to be doing so that pleased me and pleased others. And we all had a really good time. So that's what I want to do. I've got no ambition to give you my hamlet. You'll be pleased to hear. I just want to have a, a nice time, I suppose. That's the main thing. And we are thinking of moving. Uh, I think that uh, Sadiq Khan has ruined London or is ruining London as we speak. We live in, in Victoria Park in Hackley, which I've lived here for 35 years, very happily. It's a marvellous area, marvellous people. The real worry I find in life is what's happening around us. I mean, the other day when that poor girl uh, was stabbed in, in, in Croydon, you know, I mean, we can't have things like this happening. And the man cutting down, or the woman, or the whoever did it, cutting down that tree there's some strange things happening in this world and I don't like it. So I want to get away from all of that horror and have a nice casual life, you know, a sort of quieter life. People say to me, Oh, you're mad. You love going to first nights and what have I do. I love going to all those things, but we still can do it. You know, if you live reasonably near on a train, not too far from the center of London, um, I, I will still continue to do what I love. And that is, you know, Friends, theatre, films, you know, I'm mad on television. That's the nice thing about getting older. Television is such a joy. I watch too much television, in fact, when I think about it.
0: I don't think you can ever watch too much television, can you? I don't know.
1: Uh, Thank you. That's really made me feel better.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You mentioned pantomime there and you've become known and almost like synonymous with pantomime over the years. And I think it's gone through... Various stages, hasn't it? Where people are like, oh, Biggins is doing pantomime. Yeah, Biggins is doing pantomime. And now everyone realizes actually that was a very smart move on your part to be doing pantomime.
1: I know. I mean, it's, it's been fantastic. I mean, once again, you know, I thank Dougie Squires, who was a wonderful director, choreographer, um, my uh, uh, producers, uh, Jamie Phillips, and uh, uh, people at Darlington Civic Theatre, where I started my career. I think it was 48 years ago doing a pantomime and I've been doing it ever since except for one year when I won the jungle uh, so it's been marvelous and I've seen it quite a change I mean in those early days of pantomime we always had a principal boy played by a girl uh, with fishnet uh, stockings very long legs beautiful uh, very curved body and she would say 12 o'clock and still no sign of dick and we'd all laugh and it was just wonderful times then quite rightly and I understand this The producers felt that the boys needed a hero to look up to. So then the principal boy was always played uh, by a boy, which I think is right. But now we're getting to the stage where so many things are happening in our business, which is not exciting at all. It's like, you know, one day, I'm sure there will come a point where they'll say, we can't have men play dames, which of course will be disaster because in fact, the fun of playing a dame is being a man and a, usually, a large man or a man who looks quite different to any other woman playing a woman in a frock. And it's just funny. I never think of myself as being a drag in drag. I think of myself as a woman in a frock. That is important, I think, and it, people love it. I mean, I played to audiences with a, a, a woman having a baby on her titty feeding it. And next to that couple, there's their grandparents. Then there's nieces and nephews. It appeals to everybody. And it is so exciting to go out in front of an audience. I mean, when we're down in Southampton, we've got over 2,000 people in the audience, each performance, and it's wonderful, their reaction. It's just they're up for it and we're going to give it to them. And I hope we give it to them for many, many years to come.
0: Christopher Biggins, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on The Power of Storytelling podcast. Don't forget, if you are trying to work out whether or not you are ready for PR, you can take our free quiz, -quiz pr-quiz.com. And until next time, we'll see you then. Bye, Nicola.